Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Tim Porter. I'm one of the teaching elders here. Happy New Year to you. And is it just me, or is it nice to be done with the holidays? Oh, man. Like, I, I think I'm learning about myself that I am not a holiday guy. I'm a normal day guy. I have like a general level of excitement that's appropriate for most normal days, but not appropriate for the holidays where we're supposed to pretend to be excited about, about these days like Thanksgiving. Which is not a, not a bad day, but it's, uh, you know, it's a good day. I just sometimes have a hard time getting to that, that level of excitement. Uh, Christmas Eve, you know, Christmas is cool. I'm, you know, there's all kinds of implications for Christmas, but uh, Christmas Eve as well, seriously. And then New Year's. We've got to be excited about that one, too. So I'm excited that we are into the new year, okay? And you know what we have in front of us? We have a whole year of normal days to look forward to, <laughs> a bunch of normal days. And, and I've picked out, or actually a few of us were talking the other day, and we picked out a, a few dandy verses to kick us off and to teach through today. So why don't you bust out your Bible? We'll just get right to it. First uh, Peter 2, 11 and 12 is where we're going to be at. So grab your Bible or your phone, stare at the screen here as soon as those come up. Usually we teach out of the ESV, so we'll read out of that, but there's some snippets out of the NIV that I thought was a little bit more helpful, a little bit easier to, um, for me at least, to, to understand, so I'll, I'll add those in as we, as we get going here. Let me read here, 1 Peter 2, 11 through 12. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. And the NIV there says abstain from sinful desires. Right, a, little bit, a little bit more broad. Which wage war against your soul. That's key. We're going to come back to that. That's kind of a big deal. Verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. In the NIV it says, live such good lives. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Okay, so there's a couple of main themes, but this is kind of an ambitious couple of, couple of verses to start the year off with. Hopefully we can start it off right, set the tone for our year. The, the big themes I, I see in here is abstain from sinful desires. Okay, we're going to focus on that. Live such good lives so that others are going to see our good deeds and glorify God uh, in the day uh, of a visitation. So I think uh, one way that we can do that, I mean, I've been thinking about this, one thing we should do uh, to, to accomplish these big ideas is we should spend just a few minutes, not too long, just a couple minutes, we should list a couple of lame self-help goals for ourselves, okay? Th commitments we have no intention of keeping. And in fact, most of us, about 90%, according to a 2007 study, will, will fail. And then we'll start January 1st, 2019, right where we left off. In fact, most of us will be worse off because we didn't accomplish a thing in 2018, that sound like a good plan? Does it sound like maybe a New Year's resolution plan? Uh, this, is, this is not a good plan. New Year's resolutions are not good. Has anybody done the research on where New Year's resolutions came from? 
it's, a, it's troubling sometimes when I do research and I try to figure this stuff out. I wish it wasn't so easy to, to, to do research sometimes. The New Year's resolution started from our friend Nebuchadnezzar that we just heard about in the Daniel series and the Babylonians who I guess would promise their gods to give back what they borrowed at the beginning of the year or something. Uh, this is where the New Year's resolution started. Then the Romans picked it up. And the Romans would offer gifts to their god, and get this, the name of their god, Janus. Janus is what they named their god. They made up a god, and they named it Janus. Now, Janus is not a, a terrible name. If your name is Janus, there's nothing wrong with your name. It's a perfect name for a human, for a person, but, but I feel like it's a little too human of a name for a god. But this is what the, this is what the Romans did it actually reminds me, I, at some point I'd like to own a dog. Uh, I haven't owned a dog since I was a kid. But the next time I own a dog, I want to name it a, a, a superhuman name, right? Not superhuman like a superhero, like just like a very human name. So that I'm one of at the park, you know, the, at the dog park or something, I can be like, come on, boy. Come on, Scott. Let's get over here. I just want to see what people's reaction would be. Here, Richard, let's go. Let's get, let's get in the car. I think it would be, be hilarious. So that's pretty off topic. Uh, let's get back to what I was doing, which was making fun of New Year's resolutions. So just before I offend you, or it may be too late at this point, because most of you probably already have made New Year's resolutions, you should know that I'm in the boat too. Before I started studying for this and realizing that New Year's resolutions are woefully inadequate, uh, Holly and I sat down and we spent upwards of, I don't know, six or seven minutes coming up with our goals for 2018 over coffee the other day. My personal favorite is uh, my goal to not have any more children this year. <laughs> it's not that I don't like children. I love children. I love my children. But we have three. I realize that some of you have more and, and you're doing okay. But I think it's in everybody's best interest, at least in my family, that we stop now. If at all possible. If you find out that we're pregnant, it's going to be a somber couple of days for us probably. <laughs> We'll get over it if, if that's what we need to do. So anyways, so, so don't be too offended. I, I was offending myself when I, uh, when I realized this. But I think what we should do instead today is something that leaders do, something that entrepreneurs do, that people do when they want to accomplish big things. They got big goals, right, to, to do. They think about or they spend a lot of time thinking about the reason they want to accomplish these big goals. And, they, and, and these people, they... They change cultures, they change societies, they change generations by coming up with these big goals way off in the future, and then they reverse engineer those big goals to specific things that they need to do today to accomplish those big, year, big goals a year from now, many years from now, whatever the, whatever the case may be. I would like to do that, or at least attempt to try to get us to do that today, or at least encourage you to do that today. It's called crafting vision, okay? It's a little bit, it's just kind of like a resolution, but a little bit different. We'll call it crafting vision. And actually, it's what our church is going through right now. Uh, the elders uh, got together the other day. We reviewed kind of the financial situation of the church, where we've been the last few years. I got to see some incredible growth that's happening. I mean, insane growth, guys, that, um, that we'll share with you in the next few weeks. Uh, and that, the next step for us will be crafting vision. Where do we want to go from there? What, what, are, what old goals have we accomplished? What old goals have we not accomplished? What should we change? What should we add? And we've got some, some crazy stuff, scary goals that we want to put out to you all. But we'll, we'll get to that 
uh, in a little bit. So our church is doing that, and I think we should do that today. These verses that I read, I think, provide uh, a great outline. What Peter has for us, it's visionary, and it gives us some, some, some good outlines for us to craft vision in our individual lives. So that, that first idea, abstaining from sinful desires, okay, that's the first kind of main point uh, that we're going to start with. We, we can also dumb that down a little bit to Tim's level, uh, and we can say, stop doing bad things. Okay, that's the, that's the first point. The second one was start uh, living good lives. That's start doing good things. So stop doing bad things, start doing good things. And then the last big point is so that others may see those good deeds and they will glorify God. I don't have a new name for that one. We're just, we'll just, that'll be the point. That'll be the, the last point. It's the why. So let's get into this. So the, first, so the first point, stop doing bad things. Peter tells us in, in verse 11, he's trying to explain to us, if we have any chance of glorifying God, and if you want to have any chance of helping other people glorify God, People's? Other people glorify God. You have got to start walking in obedience. You've, you've got to stop giving in to the sinful desires that try to push you around. And he gives us a stark warning. He says, abstain from the sinful desires that wage war on your soul. Man, they're coming after you. They're coming to take you out. So we need to, to, to be a, a, have an appropriate posture in our life. Don't let that, those sinful desires push you around. You need to be ready for a fight. You need to be ready to wage war against these sinful desires. This is where we can contrast a resolution with a vision. Resolutions are kind of passive. They're kind of casual. Eh, I'm going to lose some weight. Uh, maybe I'll volunteer this year. Maybe I'll quit smoking. Vision calls something uh, or recognizes the truth of something and it results in action, all right? We got passive resolution, active vision. A great example of this is The Darkest Hours. I don't know if any of you have seen this movie recently. It's an incredible movie. It's about Winston Churchill's life. It was based, uh, you know, around World War II. I was thinking, should I really use this illustration? Like somebody... I'm not going to spoil this for somebody, but uh, I'm just going to go ahead and, and spoil it for you. Hitler loses. <laughs> Hitler loses. I'm, I'm sorry to, to do that to you, but that's, that's what happens. Uh, no, let me give you some context. Um, Hitler's running rampant all over Europe. He's got a few million troops just cruising through Europe, uh, taking one country after another. And Britain is so unsatisfied with their leader, Chamberlain, I think his name was. They usher Winston Churchill into power. And at the exact same time, the Britain's army is completely surrounded by Hitler at Dunkirk. He's got like 300,000 men, and he's backed up against the wall. And now Churchill takes power, which is just this crazy situation. And he has to, and he has to figure out a way, a way out of it. So he's got people in his cabinet that are trying to push him uh, towards peace negotiations with Hitler. Hey, you should negotiate. We should, we should see what kind of terms he would offer us. He's going to wipe us off the map. We should negotiate. And, and Churchill wants no part of this. He wants no part of, 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 uh, of negotiating with Hitler. And there's this great scene, man. If you see it, you're going you're gonna to love it. It, it. it was awesome. He says, uh, I'm trying to remember what he says now. Uh, 
shoot, that would be bad if I can't remember. He says, um, it, is the, uh, it is the very reason I sit in this chair. They're telling him, we should negotiate. You should negotiate. Oh, he says, uh, when will the lesson be learned? <laughs> That's what it is. When will the lesson be learned? It is the very reason I sit in this chair. You cannot reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth. It's just discreet. And I wanted to like jump out of my chair, dude, and scream. It was so awesome. Like I have goosebumps. My, tear, my eyes are welling up with tears. Uh, this, I feel like Churchill is channeling his inner Peter here. They're waging, these sinful desires are waging war against your soul. you got to do something about that. You can't just ignore these things. You can't just expect these to go away. Get ready for a fight. Let's think about some of these sinful desires that were, I'm sorry I'm like yelling at you. Let's think about these sinful desires that we're, that we're, uh, that we're thinking about this time of year. I just went to the McCarthy's house, wherever they're at, hung out with a couple of people. Three out of the four of us couples were struggling with debt, and we need to, we need to pay down debt. Debt is a great example of this. If you spend more money than you make and you just ignore it, debt is going to get you, man. It's coming after you. You've got to do something. You've got to get fired up about this. Take it seriously. If you ignore this and your debt continues to grow, it's going to lead you down a path of financial ruin. Your only hope, or not hope, your only option is going to be bankruptcy. Bankruptcy is not good. If you've declared bankruptcy, there's grace for you. It's not, listen, I'm not trying to condemn you or anything like that, but if you haven't, you don't want to. Address this issue in your life. Stop spending more money than you make. Allocate some money towards debt. Get specific. How much money do you want to pay down debt? What's the goal? How, you know, when, when will, at the end of this year, where do you want to be at? This is important. So there's one sinful desire, but there, how many of these could we come up with? There's, you know, anger. This is something I got to watch out for. I get fired up, as you can tell, with my kids. We got to watch out for that. I'm going to turn my kids against me. I'm going to turn relationships uh, or people against me that I have relationships with. You could lose your job if you start lashing out at people and being angry with them. How about sexual stuff? Sex outside of marriage, looking at porn. This stuff is out to get you. You need to address this head on. You need to seek help. Tell somebody. See a counselor, whatever. Have people pray with you. Write this stuff down that you are desperate to get out of these situations. Last example I'll give is, is uh, the sinful desire of not having a vision for your life of just being lazy and just kind of wandering through life without any goals, without any objectives. I'm just whatever, just kind of making things happen, I guess. This is not good. It's, it, it's laziness. And there's companies that are trying to dominate your time, to control your time. Companies that, that make you want to feel like you have a social life, make you want to feel like you've got friends when you really don't have any friends. You just have a, a great relationship with your computer, your phone, 
It's companies that want to create such great entertaining content where you sit on your rear and you just watch TV all day long and you binge watch, you know, seasons upon seasons of shows and you're completely unproductive. I mean, these companies, we all know, Facebook and Netflix and YouTube and whatever video game companies there are. These companies are winning, by the way, just, just to give you a, a, a heads up. I'm a, an investment advisor, and I can see their stocks go up and up and up. They're great investments. I wish they weren't, though. I wish they weren't such great investments. We've got, we've got to address these issues, this laziness where we, where we don't have a... We don't have a plan. Put away your phone, close your computer, turn off your TV. Yes, even the most adorable couple in the world, Chip and JoJo, need to be put away sometimes. All right? It's like second to blasphemy around here, I bet. Everybody loves these people. My family loves this show. Even my children will sit and watch this. I don't know how they do it. My 18-month-old watch, watched an entire show the other day. I think it might have been the popcorn that we had for her, but how helpful is that show, really? Like, uh, if you could see a, a graph of my dissatisfaction with my home <laughs> while I'm watching, it's generally low, right? I, I love my home. My home's beautiful. I, I'm so blessed. I'm so lucky. We're so fortunate that God... Gave us this great home. We're dry, we're, we're warm, we're comfortable. We've got some space. It feels a little small on certain days. But, but as I watch that show, the, my dissatisfaction for my house grows. You know, it kind of goes up, it goes up, a little higher. Uh, and then it peaks at the end of the show. When I turn it off, you know, like you're watching the TV, you turn it off, I get up and I start looking around like this, and I'm like, we live in squalor. What? <laughs> What is this place? Where is the little cubby for Henry to put his backpack in? Why doesn't Lucy have a little crafting nook? How do we live like this? Where's our mile-long kitchen island? How do we function on this, this place? It's total nonsense. My house is wonderful, but it's the way I feel after this show. Put the phone down, man. Turn off the TV. It's it's not like you have to throw your phone away and TV away. That's not what I'm advocating for. I'm just saying we've got to limit that stuff. You've got you've to be serious. You've got to maybe take an account of how much time you actually spend on that because it keeps you from being productive and doing good things. Now, now how do we live good lives? We talked about trying to abstain from, from sinful desires. How do we live such good lives? I hate to tell you this but it's going to take some planning. And planning requires time and effort and energy, all, all the things that resolutions don't take. <laughs> uh, do you know who likes to plan, though? God likes to plan, turns out. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Part of God's plan should include a plan of our own. Uh, Luke 14, Jesus talks about building a tower, gives a great example of, of planning. How, how many of you are going to, if you build a tower or build a house or something, aren't going to sit down and figure out how much it costs so that you don't get halfway through your project and not have any money to finish it. Then people walk by and mock you because you didn't, you didn't plan. It's a great, a great illustration of, 
of having a plan. It, makes, it just makes sense. And then Proverbs 15, God gives us a clue to determine how we craft these plans. This is, a, this, is a, this is a fantastic verse. This is a money verse right here. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Super practical. If you want to do something well in life, this is what I've found. I'm no, I'm no wise expert, okay, just, just to be clear. I've learned a couple of things, but this is one thing I've learned. If you want to do something well, you guys ready for this? Find somebody that has done that thing well and just do what they did. This is, this is, what, this is how I live my life. This is how I run my business. This is how Holly and I run our, our marriage, our family. We find somebody that's done it well and we ask them, how'd you do it? <laughs> and we'll just do what you did. It's a, it's a great strategy. And not, not to like uh, bother people and, con- and constantly hound them, but to, to take an hour of their time and to find out, I'm going to take copious notes, I'm going to do what they... Do what they say. I mean, this is, this is brilliant. So to prepare for this, I called a guy named Larry Glaze. Larry Glaze, some of you know who that is. He's the church's accountant. Um, he used to be an elder at this church, an executive elder at, at one point. And Larry Glaze is a quintessential man, uh, good life. Okay, not to put him above, you know, anybody or make him equal with Jesus, but you look at his life, he's got a great marriage. He's been married for 40 years. He's got a great business. He's just about to retire. He's done it well. He's got, a great, got great kids, three great kids. Two of them are in ministry. He's generous with his time. He's generous with his abilities. He's an accountant, and he uh, is a financial planner. He offers that all the time to people for free, especially if you're in ministry. I mean, I just like, this guy is great. So I call Larry, and I'm say, I said, Larry, I'm about to speak on this topic, can you, you know, what kind of advice can you give me that I could pass on to our church to help them? And he talked my ear off for like 45 minutes about this planning retreat that him and his wife go on every year. They actually get out of town, um, spend a few days away. He says, we bring the calendar, we bring the checkbook, and we bring the budget. And they map out their year. They spend a couple of days. I don't know if we really need to go out of town. Some of us, that's expensive sometimes, and maybe, maybe it's not appropriate, but a long breakfast or a long dinner or whatever, uh, a night without the kids where, where this can happen if you're married or by yourself, if you're, if you're not married, obviously. He went on and on about the, this is the greatest thing that I've ever done in business, for my business, for my life, for my marriage, for my family, on and on, at examples after examples. One example he gave me was, uh, this is, again, super practical. He says, we were trying to debate whether we should paint the house or whether we should go on vacation. And I forget who wanted what. His wife maybe wanted to go on vacation. Larry wanted to paint the house. But she said, hey, we need some time with just us, with the family, to, to connect with our kids. And so uh, they decided then that they would push the, the house painting off until the following year, and they would go on vacation. And then the next year, it was paint the house or something else. And the house painting got pushed off again. Larry lost once more. Uh, and then finally, a couple years later, they finally got to painting the house. But they, this planning retreat gave them the time and, and the place to hash this out, to figure it out when should we get this house painted? What should we do with our money? Then they budgeted for it and got it done. Another example was um, they had a, a son who was having trouble reading. Um, they got together and they uh, put on their calendar when each of them would read with their son. Like, they, like they, they detailed it. They were this specific. 
when should we read with Nate or whichever son it was? And so they, they both read with him. And then in the summer, they budgeted for a tutor for him to come and, and, and work with him to increase his reading. And by the end of the year, he was reading like a champ, above average. And, and I guess he's never looked back. Like, what a, what a, I would never have thought of that example. Like, what an awesome thing to come from a, 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 a planning retreat or a planning dinner or something. Like, they gave themselves the time. They, they, they set this aside so that they could figure this stuff out. He's got endless examples. I would like to go through some categories of things that we could do on our planning retreat or planning time that we could go through, okay, by yourself, with your spouse, whatever. Let me just talk through this stuff. I'll try not to, I'll try not to uh, spend too much time on this, but one of the areas that we should be focused on is finances. I'm a financial advisor. Of course, we're going to start with, with finances. Listen, some practical stuff that you could be thinking about when you're dealing with finances. Number one is we're doing a financial peace university, the Dave Ramsey course. You ought to consider signing up for that. That's coming up at the end of the month. Brian Bradley's leading that. It's a great eight or nine weeks, whether you're in college, whether you're just starting out, whether you're you know, trying to pay off debt. It's great. Take some time, take some effort, but it's worth it. I've gone through it. It really benefited me and my family. So consider doing that. Uh, but one, a couple of things that Ramsey, if you don't make it to that, a couple of things that Ramsey uh, says is you've got to create a budget. You've got to create a budget and give every dollar a name, meaning don't, know where your money's being spent. Know where it's going. Ramsey advocates for like a cash system because it hurts more to pay with cash. I hate cash because it's awkward. It's 2018, man. Nobody's using cash anymore. I use a card, and I use this website. You use whatever you want. I'm sure there's a bunch of them. It's called mint.com. You link your, your bank account to it. All the transactions flow through there. You can categorize all your transactions through mint.com and see where you're spending your money, where you're spending too much money, where you should be allocating more money to. You've got to spend some time doing this. If you're married, it's irritating to do this with your, with your spouse. It was kind of awkward at first for my wife and I, but a couple years later... It's just something that we do every, every, I don't know, a couple times a week. We'll be sitting down after the kids go to bed and, hey, what'd you, what is this transaction? Oh, okay, that's groceries or, oh, that's you know, clothes for the kids or something. It's a super practical way to figure out where you're spending your money, how much you're, how much you're spending. Um, paying down debt, we talked about that already, okay? You got to get specific. You can't just give a general, ah, we should pay down some debt. You got to figure out how much you can allocate every month if you're struggling with that, if you've got debt, and you got to set some goals for yourself. Something else to consider when you're paying down debt. A lot of people say you should spend less money. Here's a thought. Why don't you make more money? It's, it's, it's uh, another side of the equation. Both things are helpful. Spend less money. Yes, please. Don't waste money on whatever. Too much uh, restaurants or something. But if you could take on a part-time job, I'm not talking about overworking. I'm not talking about being gone, you know, 100 hours a week. But 5 or 10 hours a week can be a great, uh, a great time spent. Make a few extra bucks. Do a few side jobs. Put that money towards debt and pay that down. It's awesome, man. A lot of us leaders at the church are doing that. I have a part-time job at the Coast Guard. I spend one weekend a month or one night a month away. Uh, Brian Bradley has a couple of jobs. Matt Porter uh, does some contracting work and has a rental that he deals with. 
Ryan Habig teaches music lessons. Ryan Habig was up here leading worship this morning. He teaches music lessons, and he helps small businesses um, do marketing and whatnot. Like, this is, this is practical stuff, okay? Next category is education. Listen, education is, is, is awesome, as some of our college students know. It's important to do that, but listen, it has, it, it's not all important. It has limits. The rule of thumb, back to finances, the rule of thumb is do not borrow more than you can make in one year. To, to, to get your education. And really, if you could borrow less than that, if you could borrow as little as possible, it's helpful. But doctors could potentially borrow a little bit more than, than uh, whatever, a geology major or something like that. Doctors have a, uh, a chance of making a little bit more, more money than, I hope nobody's a geologist in here. I'm sure it's a valuable skill. I'm going to offend a ton of people today, potentially. Anyways... Education is wonderful. If you're thinking of getting an extra degree, get creative. Find ways to pay for that as you go. See if your employer will help. See if there's grants. Um, the Coast Guard, actually, it's part of the reason I joined the Coast Guard, because they offered to pay for some of my masters. So that's, that's why I took on that part-time job. All right, next category, marriage. Not everybody's married, I know, but something helpful that you could do is think about the future in a couple of years when, you know, potentially you could be married, what will you have wished you had done today to prepare yourself for that day? If you are married, listen, something super practical is date nights, man. Those are epic for Holly and I. We, we love our date nights. We love spending time together without the kids. Put that stuff on a, on a uh, calendar. Larry Glaze said he contracted with a babysitter and paid her, no, uh, uh, I assume it's her, paid her um, every month whether they used her or not to make sure that she would be available. Like they put it in the budget and said, this is that important. We got to make sure that, um, uh, that we get away and, and connect, get on the same page with our spouse. Uh, we, also, another thing for marriage is conferences, books. We're doing a marriage conference here in the next few months. Something to, to watch out for. I don't think we have the dates on that yet. Parenting, same deal. Pick out a book. Um, schedule a time to talk with people that have, that have raised their kids well, find out what they're doing, sign up for our parenting conference that we're going to do in a couple of months. We're also doing one of those. Volunteering. Where do you want to volunteer? How often do you want to volunteer? Why do you want to volunteer? Coming up with the, the reason why is, is very important. Otherwise, you kind of lose motivation. The church obviously needs volunteers. We try not to overwork people and burn them out uh, one, one Sunday a month usually. So we would love to have you if that's, if that's part of your, your uh, vision for this new year. But obviously, there's other spots. You know, coaching a sporting team or um, whatever, Hope Pregnancy Center. There's all kinds of organizations that would love to have you as a volunteer. And then, and then health, obviously, is a big one that, that resolutions... Um, sometimes are, are known for is the, the health decisions. Jo I want to start jogging or whatever. This is, a good, this is a good thing. Have that in your vision. Now, what are you going to do? Uh, how much weight do you want to lose? What, you know, sign up for some runs. Put it, on the, put it on the calendar. But come up with a reason why. Why do you want to be more healthy? You know, is it because you want to be around longer so that you can teach your grandkids what it means to have good character? You want to tell them why it's important to be kind to people? Is it because you want to tell your daughter, teach your daughter why she should have 
uh, high standards when she gets married. Like these are good reasons to want to be healthy, to want to stick around longer. Uh, uh, attach those whys to the what's, if that makes sense. So that you know, man, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna lose some weight. I'm gonna try to get a little more healthy here. I wanna stick around, man. I wanna be healthy. And I wanna be a good example, too. That's enough of the, uh, the practical stuff. Listen, after you've made specific plans, after you budgeted, budgeted for them, after you've put them on your calendar, you can't forget who helps establish our plans, right? Proverbs 16:3 says, commit your work to the Lord. And your plans will be established. And a couple of verses later, Proverbs says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And finally, you've got to pray over these plans. You've got to pray over this, this vision that you create. Philippians 4 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with um, thanksgiving, with prayer, let your requests be known to God or make your requests known to God. So let's go to God in prayer. Let's go to our last point here. I'll finish, I'll finish up in just a few minutes here. We won't keep you too long this morning. Stop doing bad things was the first thing I wanted to talk about. Start doing good things, okay? And the why is this last part. Why do we wanna, why do we wanna do this? And the why is so that others will see your good deeds and want to glorify God. Okay, it's a pretty good reason why you would want to stop abstaining from your sinful desires. But sometimes it's hard to, it's hard to be motivated. Like, why, do I really care about other people? Isn't it about me? You know, am I worried about my life and, and, and living better? Um, and I want to try, I want to, try to, to motivate us a little bit more by looking at this a little bit different angle. Uh, got a long, long time ago, before the foundations of the world, God chose you, all of you, to be holy and blameless, right? It's part of this grand vision that he had. He chose you, and, and, and to, to choose you, to, Part of his plan included the great effort of creating everything we see and know today. And more of his plan included his, his incredible son, our Savior, having his son Jesus leave his, his place of comfort in heaven and come to this jacked up world and live with us and live a perfect life. Okay, this is all part of God's plan for you, to choose you. And he lived this perfect life, and his, his reward for living the perfect life was this horrifically unfair, this excruciating death sentence that he had to serve. But he wanted to do it because he wanted the forgiveness from our sin and our shame and our guilt to be received. He was happy to come and die this death to receive, so, that, so that the forgiveness could be received, so that the peace, the hope, the joy, the, uh, the happiness, the, 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 the comfort could be felt, but not by you yet. 
It was somebody close to you that, that God, as part of his great vision, wanted to save. And they got to receive this incredible forgiveness. And they got to experience what it meant to be free from the sin and free from the shame and free from the guilt. And then they abstained from their sinful desires. And they started living good lives. And then, this is where you come in now, then you saw their life. You saw them. You saw their good deeds. And you're like, dude, that is a better life than what I'm living. And I want to glorify God just like that person. Isn't that crazy? Like this, this whole master plan was, was to save you through somebody else that you know, a family member or a friend or something. Man, after all of that, how can we not want to do the same thing and help other people glorify God by living great lives, by abstaining from the sinful desires and living great lives? It is, like Churchill, the very reason you sit in these chairs is probably because of somebody you know that influenced you. It's the very reason I stand on this stage. At 12 years ago, a sad and depressed Lonely 25-year-old, man, with no hope and only a couple of Christian influences in my life. One of those is my brother, Matt Porter. And I saw, I, I, I didn't make it obvious. I was looking like out of the corner of my eye, like this. I'm not really watching you, but I am. And whatever you're doing is, is better than what I'm doing. I saw his good deeds, man. I saw his, his life glorifying God, and I wanted that so badly. Actually, 12 years ago and three months, sounds a little bit like Abraham Lincoln, four score and seven years ago. Uh, October 2005, I took this random piece of paper. Uh, it's just a copy that I had in my car um, and started writing some things down that I wanted. I don't remember what was the catalyst for this. I was just feeling exceptionally guilty over the wasted life that was my life at that time. And I just started writing some random things down that I wanted. This was my attempt at crafting vision for my life, even though I wouldn't have called it that. I would have just said I was just writing stuff down. I want to be, I, this is me, this is my prayer to God. I won't read, this is a long list, but I'll just read you a couple of these. I wanted God to help me be an example of what to do for once. I was a fantastic example at the time, but the wrong direction, what not to do. I wanted to be an example of what to do. I wanted God to, to help me show how he could change someone's life 100%. Like I, this is how badly I wanted it. I wanted it to be so obvious that other people could see what God could do to someone's life. I wanted to live an honorable life, a life that was respectable and free from guilt. Man, this, I won't read any more. I'm not sure I could make it through it, but... Dude, this is the power of our lives. Not that it's dependent on us. Don't, don't let me try to make you feel that pressure. It's not. If you fail, if you fail God's going to be glorified regardless, whether through your good deeds or whether through your failure, just to be clear. <laughs> Wouldn't it be better if it's good deeds, though? I feel like that. we should want that. But, man, our, our lives matter. People are watching you and crafting vision, and your life is such an insanely practical way to make this happen, okay? To help you abstain from sinful desires 
that are waging war on your soul to live such good lives that people will see your good deeds and want to glorify God. Let's pray. God, I want, to, uh, I want to pray for our church. I want to pray for this idea of crafting vision. I pray that you would motivate us, including me, to, to, to follow up on this, to spend some time, effort, energy, crafting this vision, that, um, that we would go through this with our spouse, with, by ourselves, whatever. Um, and I pray that we would commit these plans to you. I pray that you would establish, um, establish our, our steps, establish these plans, that you would, you would make us productive, effective, that people would see these good deeds in the community, in the city, whatever, and that people would see that and they would want to be influenced, um, that they would be influenced, um, and, and ultimately that more people uh, would come to know you and would and would glorify glorify you glorify you Jesus we pray this in your name amen